Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of Christian Conspiracy Theory. We are your host, Matthew and Aaron Miller. All right, Aaron, what are we going to talk about tonight? Well, we were, <clears throat> I was studying the archangels in my works on the book of Enoch. I have been translating it, and... Um, I've been finding a lot of connections with it in the Hebrew text. In fact, it's it's off the charts how close it is, especially to the book of Daniel. I found a lot of things like the book of Enoch in Daniel and Hebrews and Jude, especially. But as for the Old Testament, yeah, mostly Daniel. But um, I was studying these and uh, I've come across the some sort of illusion that one of the archangels had fallen and I I struggled with this because um, it's never directly mentioned and I don't I don't know what sort of order the great fallen angel he was from but I assume that originally he was a watcher rather than an archangel. Well, that would that would certainly uh, be inferred. Mm-hmm. Uh, no doubt about it, because the the tale that you're speaking of talks of the watchers themselves falling. It does not mention an archangel or who is the commander of that particular detachment. It never says that. And people falsely assume that Satan fell. That never happened. Uh, you don't get that in the Bible. Um, you're told that he is the prince of this world. And uh, you're told that he, of course, took his part in deceiving Eve. But as far as an open rebellion against God, that's not mentioned in the Bible. Now, he's never called an archangel either. Yeah, and I'm... and in the book of Revelation, when it mentions uh, the seven angels who stand before God, that's in a particular tense, and mm. that tense is is active. 
So even the verb tenses involved in the book of Revelation with the seven angels does not infer that any of them ever fell or that any of them ever uh, rotated position, so to speak, you know, um, mm -hmm. was replaced. That's, that's never inferred. But what is inferred is that if angels did in fact fall, they had to have an archangel over them. Yes. Um, Revelation 12, this is where everybody gets the idea that Satan fell. And it does say that. It, Revelation 12 is pretty clear that the dragon um, cast down a third of the stars of heaven, which would be the angels, and um, battled, or will battle, Michael the archangel. And, you know, I see where you're coming with that, but first of all, I always I always struggle with that concept because the book of Revelation is a prophetic text and you know John was seeing things that were about to happen so I mean but I can't but I can't see where you people are coming from so but I I but what comes right down to it the fallen angel as we know in the scriptures is not only in a fallen state, but he's in hell. Well, in a place in hell called the abyss. And um, one time I was explaining to some somebody that um, uh, hell is a prison. And they asked me, well then, how is Satan on earth if he's in a prison? And I said, that's a really good point. Because um, the... This is this shouldn't even be a discussion. Satan is here on earth accusing us and um, leading us astray. That's what he does. And if, he, if he's doing that, how is he in in the abyss at this moment? I mean, I've always... First of all, before I even came to this idea, I mean, I always struggled with that. If Satan is in hell, then how is he here on earth? And it's what's always been... Confusing about the um, about the modern doctrines about him. I mean, you know, if you ask any other guy, they'd say Satan is the fallen angel who rules over hell. That's the that's the common thing that everybody says. But um, it's the Bible. It, there is no debate that Satan is in hell because he's here with us. Is he not? That's correct. Hell is not... Well, the first problem is that word hell. Okay? Hades is most certainly real. Hades is the abode of the dead. Hades is the Old Testament Hebrew Sheol. Now, that's yeah. real. But that's not a proper translation into our English language. So... People think, when you say hell, of a place that does not exist yet. This is the lake of fire. Well, the, what's so confusing about this is that the, most translators I've ever seen translate three different words into hell. That's right. And, and um, one of them we know is Hades. Right. The other is Tartarus, which is where the angels are bound, and the third one is Gehenna, or the Valley of the Son of Hinnom, which is where what um, what 
he just said is that's where what will happen and it's not yet here so but when i usually refer to hell i'm referring to the to hades but because that's what everybody else understands but hell is not even in either the hebrew or the greek that is an english term that's anglo-saxon so that's right and that's where you're stuck you you have no way around this because you have no rhyme or reason to connect with these people. They have no idea what they're talking about because of the English translations, period. Yeah, it's ridiculous sometimes. I mean, you're throwing everybody off by all these, like, translators won't even be consistent with themselves. And um, all the people who don't understand Hebrew and Greek, they're completely thrown off and they don't understand that's, but that's right. Yeah, but he when he, he um you usually refer to hell. You refer to Gehenna, which is the lake of fire, which is going to come. But I usually refer to Hades or the abyss, the the underworld, as hell collectively. But there's a lot more cosmology to that. There's a there's a lot more regions in the abyss than what you'd think. And the um, Revelation chapter uh, 9 calls the place where the angels are bound the bottomless pit. And the original, the actual translation, the original language basically said the pit of the abyss. And it's pretty clear to us when, um, remember that time when Abraham talked to the rich man, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. And it mentions, um, Three places there, does it not? Yes. What are these three places? You remember? <laughs> You're riddling me. Do I remember? That's uh, that's pretty amazing you would ask me that. Yep. Well, it speaks of uh, Hades, which is the realm of the dead. It speaks of the gulf that is in the midst of it and paradise, a separating point. Yes. Now, most people go off the rails right there because they've been completely misled into thinking that when they die, they go to heaven. They don't. You go to Hades, period. Now, the question is, is whether you go to uh, this... The best way I can describe it is a floating island. It is in the abode of Hades, but it's a place that's separated. And it's called, uh, well, paradise. It's paradise. And the scripture plainly tells you that they can even communicate between the two. So it's not like they're separated by any great distance, but they are separated by what is described as a gut. But if you talk to people like this, you're going to get them angry. Mm -hmm. Because, and, and for good reason, because they think that their grandmother or their mother is in heaven. So, whenever you breach this topic, that's your first obstacle, is emotions. Because people's going to go off the rails on you. So this creates major problems with English translations. And people mm -hmm. just don't get it that way. And modern doctrines throw us off, too. That's right. So, um, this word, this gulf that's between it, 
we've never considered that. What's there in that gulf? And um, as I just mentioned, Revelation chapter 9 says the pit of the abyss. That's the actual language. Most translations say bottomless pit, but it's a pit that's in the abyss. You might wonder, well, how, how does that make sense? Because the abyss has no bottom. How can you have a hole in the bottom of nothing? So, um, so um, Enoch mentions this in his text. Um, in chapter, let me see. Chapter 18, verse 11. And it says, And I saw a great chasm that descended in pillars of fire, and was without measure, neither in depth nor in height. And beyond the chasm I saw there was a place where there was neither the firmament of heaven above, nor the foundation of the earth under it, nor the water which is under it, nor birds. And it was a place lying in waste and was terrifying. And I saw seven stars like burning mountains concerning which I inquired. And the angel said, This is the place at the end of heaven and earth. This is the prison made for the stars and the host of heaven. And as for the stars rolling in the fire, these are those who transgressed the commandment of the Lord in the beginning of their rising, even though any place outside heaven was, is futile, because they did not come forth in their proper times. And the Lord was enraged with them and bound them until their proper time and the completion of their sins, which are in ten thousands of years. So, this chasm, that word for um, between heaven and, I mean, sorry, Hades and paradise, um, this gulf, somewhere beyond this, somewhere under it, is this place, this pit of the abyss, which is called multiple names. Sometimes um, it is called Tartarus, and and we know that from Second Peter chapter 4, I'd... Um, I wish there was a better tra translation to read from, but I have this one by, um, <clears throat> this is Green's translation, and it's a literal translation of the Bible, so it would probably be the best for me to read from, um, I feel like I should have probably had this open before I started. Most definitely. <laughs> well, I didn't think to speak of it. <clears throat> I'm sorry, it was Second Peter chapter 2. That's what threw me off. Yeah, I was going to say that, but I knew you'd figure it out yourself. <laughs> yeah, Second Second Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 4. And if God did not spare the sinning angels but delivered them to chains of darkness, thrust down into Tartarus, having kept them to judgment. So, um, we know that there is a place called Tartarus, like the Greeks, like the Greeks believed. And um, even the Greeks, in Greek mythology, um, their, Hades was not Tartarus. Hades... The underworld realm over which their false god, Hades, ruled over, was the realm of the dead. Not the place where their what their fallen angels, which they called the Titans, were cast. It literally describes um, 
if you were to throw a brick from heaven and it would take nine days, I believe, to reach to the bottom of Tartarus. So, and we know that the Titans were bound there from their beliefs. That The, the Titans were um, the giants who supposedly ruled heaven at one, at one point, and they were cast down for their sin and bound in Tartarus. So, but in our terms, in biblical terms, um, this is a place where the these rebelling angels, the ones who sinned, were bound. Are bound. Are bound, yes. At the moment. And these seven mountains, which I just read in, in, um, in Enoch, uh, these are, of course, the seven angels who ruled over the fallen host. And... Uh, it gives us 20 different angels that fell with their leader, Semyaza, Aziel being under them. But in chapter 8, it names seven. Aziel being the first, and Semyaza the second. Then Ereros, Barakiel, Kalkiel, Saviel, and Sariel. So, these are your seven. So, these are the ones who fell with, um, with, the great fallen angel, which we know as Azael, also called it Azazel, and <clears throat> they ruled over the host, and they were um, described as the wickedest over all of them, the most wicked of them, sorry. Or their leaders. I mean, we know that angels are rank and file. Yeah. They're called a host for a reason. And you even have trouble with that today. What is the definition of a host? Well, that's an army. That's right. It's an army. And if you go up and say that to people today, you're going to confuse them. They don't know what a host is. A host of what? You mean a hostess at a party? Yeah. So I appreciate the translation that you used that included Tartarus. That is the only proper translation there is of that verse. But if you were to truly make a good English translation, you'd have to change that word to armies. Because these people really don't understand what a host is. So when you understand it's a rank and file, of course he's going to give you the names of the officers. He's going to tell you that there was so many underneath them, like they were over a platoon. Or he's going to say there were so many underneath them, like a, uh, uh, like a brigade. That's the terms he's going to use, and that is the terms he always uses. Now... You speak of things as if it's completely obvious to everybody. Why do you say that it is obvious that Azazel is the chief of them? What would make you say that? Well, well, the first thing I want to say is that they did have an order. They had um, a rank, and this was called the Watchers. And... Um, they were basically of the same rank as principalities. I'm um, as the sixth chapter of um, of Enoch says. I'm going to bring myself to it here. It says the and it names twenty of them and says these are the principalities of tens and the rulers and their ruler was Semyaza and. This this is the order they were supposed to be in. 
but some, when this fall happened, there was no ruler. There was no order. It was all broken down to the point, I'm, I'm assuming it was just thrown off because Azazel, or Azael, at one point became the ruler of them, even though, as chapter 6 says, he was actually under Semyaza, and something happened, and he became the ruler. And these other seven were also, these other six were also found among the 20. These seven were of a specific rank. Something after their fall caused this. And I'm assuming this wasn't because of rank. These seven are picked out because of their sin. The depths of their sin were higher than the others. And that reminds me of a certain passage in the Gospels where where Christ talks about a demon leaving uh, a host and says, um, once he once he leaves, he goes through desert places without water, and then he comes back and finds the, his former home uh, put in order, and he brings seven other angel uh, seven other demons with him, even worse than before. Now this seven number we know is is. Uh, very divine in nature as as we know the seven spirits of god and the seven uh, angels with the trumpets of the apocalypse and evil has always tried to mimic the light and in this way seven arose but i don't think it was something designated for them it was their sin that made them this the great seven and um when I mean from great people, I, I don't want to throw you off. What I mean is great as in these are the ones that were at the greatest fault here. These are the ones that caused a lot of the sin that is still here on earth today. Well, Aaron, it makes it perfectly clear in the book of Enoch. It says, in Raphael, he said, bind Azazel and by the feet and hands and throw him into the darkness and into the Open the desolation that is in Dubal. Mm -hmm. So, this is the first thing you need to realize when you're getting into angelology. You don't keep your name, because your name means a whole lot more than just... Oh, well, we know our names have meaning, correct? Yes. It's obvious to them it's also rank. So, whenever I first started studying the Book of Enoch, that's the first thing that came up, that... It was obvious to the story that his name had been Semyaza, or they didn't want to say that name properly. Now, we know that which name is in the Bible in Leviticus chapter 16. There's no debate about what that title was, Azazel. Well, you know what's very interesting is that if you pick if you pick up any book on angelology, you'll see that 99.9% .9 of all those angels' names ends in the sacred name of God, El. Mm -hmm. And that's right. Uh, but if you open pick a book up of demonology, 99.9% um, .9 of them will not have El in the end. That's right. And this is because once they this is pretty clear. Once they degraded, they were degraded from their sin. That word L was cut out of their name. Right. Um, 
is this is especially clear in the um the one that's best known uh, um a really well known is Rom and that's basically Ramiel which is mentioned here in Enoch mm-hmm. yet it's just got L taken off from it and Rom was worshiped um by the Mesopotamians and so was Shamash and several other ones which are also mentioned in uh Enoch just with L removed from it. Mm-hmm. Well, you're also running into problems there. That's what would have happened in its natural course. Naturally, if the Hebrews had run into these people and they were worship, worshiping them, they would have called them demons, and they would have been correct to do so. Mm-hmm. So the Bible gives us the proper name of the leader, and that's beyond contestation. His name is Azazel. That's what his name was. Well, this is a great struggle, too, because the Bible gives 50 different names for him, including the one that most people know as Lucifer, Halel. Lucifer is the Latin translation of Halel in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. Uh, he is mentioned as, the, as a fallen star, as we know as an angel, and he's equated with Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, that word is Halel, and just the Latin form is best known. But if you go to the word, root of Halel, it it is angelic in nature. But so we have many different, but we have many different names for him. And what some people have pointed out is that what if Azazel is just a run through of Azel and Aza? as in Semyaza. And what we should point out about Semyaza, that name, is that it just means the name Aza. Right, right, and, right. And I actually think that Azael isn't even his name, because once he maintained the rank of his ruling captain, once he obtained that rank, Aza was taken from his leader, the name Aza, was taken and given to him and just added on with another L. So that's not even his name. And some people think, uh, some like Jewish rabbis believe that Azazel is just a run-through run of Aza, his original ruling prince, and Azel thrown together. That's what they think and incorrectly. As I state again, Leviticus chapter 16, that's the word of God. Yes. That's where the rubber hits the road. So their theories and their opinions are quite irrelevant. What I stated stands. His name is Azazel. That is what he is called, beyond any shadow of a doubt. Yes, like I, say, like I stated earlier, when you get into the deep historical text of it, you can readily ascertain the simple fact why the Jewish scholars were doing this. They didn't want to pay that name homage. So in their works, they will do this. They will change the name, corrupt the name, because they feel that when you speak a name, it gives it credit, and it's a way of worshiping them. That's why they're, of course, forbidden to say the Lord their God's name. They can't say it. It's not supposed to be spoken. It's disrespectful to speak it out loud. So they view this in that connotation, in that light. 
Yes. And that's a what's a real what you say is a very good point because when you read all all the text of Enoch, all the translations from Aramaic, Greek to Ethiopic, only one of those translations will actually say Azazel, and that is the Ethiopic text. And the Greek will say Azel, and uh, the Aramaic will say Aseo. So they were avoiding is saying Azazel, but the right. but even the Septuagint doesn't translate that name Azazel. Mm-hmm, that's it, right. It just uses a, a a Greek correspondent to that name, and the only way I've ever found that name transliterated is in one of the Greek texts, and it's mentioned only one, only once, and that that isn't the one that I am translating at the moment. I am at the moment translating the Achmim fragments, and there are another set of fragments called the Sincellus fragments, which uh, a certain scholar uh, known as Sincellus, he he translated the text and had it in his works. And one time, all the other times he mentions this name, he says Azael. He says Azalzal, and that's the closest we've ever gone. It has an L in there. Azalzal. But it's the closest I've ever seen in, in any Greek language, Azazel. Because, uh, as I just mentioned, in the Septuagint, it just said, it just translated it into Greek, rather than uh, transliterating that name, Azazel. So, in the particular text mentioned, have you looked in to see what the Septuagint calls Azazel? Well, I can look it up. Okay. So that word is apopo uh-huh. apopomapai. Right. Um and I know apo means off, but have you have you That's ha- right, it means off. Um so what does mapai mean? Have you looked into this yet? I believe you have. Uh yeah, I looked into it decades ago. You don't have the resources to do it? Surely I've given you everything yeah. you need to do it. We'll I do it, son. Give me a moment. <clears throat> Check the Adonagia. And not present. Okay. This is going to be take a little bit longer than I thought. So it's not in... The Adido Regia? No. That word, mapai. Can't. I know what it is in Greek. It's pomp. Hmm. You know what pomp means, don't you? It means, like, high estate. Uh, yeah, it can mean that. Certainly it can mean that. So, it sounds like you haven't done as much studying as you should have. Yeah. Well, I didn't know we were going to go here. We were actually pointing towards a fallen archangel 
which I uh, which I felt was alluded in uh, in Enoch chapter twenty. But we have gone to this concept of Azazel. But well, well, if you're not prepared to talk about that, that's fine. Let's go back to this thought that you have. So you're saying that you think there is a archangel involved when you yourself stated that the Watchers was first and foremost a regiment of soldiers, correct? Yes. And they held equal rank to what you call principalities, correct? Yes. Okay, well, let's let's run that into the ground. What's the difference between infantry and cavalry? Um, I know, I know that cavalry has has to do with riding on a horse. Well, it is. It means mounted. Yeah. So. Which one outranks who? Neither would. That's correct, and that's exactly what we're talking about. Yet, the lieutenant colonel exercises authority over all of them because that is what creates a brigade. Yes. A brigade has cavalry. It has infantry. It'll have artillery. It might have scouts. Yet all of those have equal rank. They have different functions. That's all you're talking about alluding to. You would in no way, in no way would you infer if one of these platoons, if they went AWOL, under no circumstances would the lieutenant colonel be at fault. Yes. You would be delusional to say so. Mm-hmm. So just going from that, I do not understand why you're insisting that an archangel had to fall. Well, well, what caused me to think this is that um, Enoch chapter 20 gives us seven archangels. Now, first, you want I should point out there that the Ethiopic text only names six. But you... Only one text that I've ever seen names seven. Each of the Greek texts says there are seven archangels at the end of this, but it doesn't even name seven. That's right. That's one of my Greek texts. But this other one, it mentions one Remiel. And he is never mentioned in any of the other Enochian texts. It is just added here, and I'm not, and I've wondered why. Uh, in the what's known as Second Esdras, which is commonly known among the apocrypha, names one Jeremiel. So Remiel is just a shortening of right. Remiel, right? That's of Jeremiel. Right. Mm-hmm. So he was known, but for some reason he wasn't named here in most texts, and he was omitted for some reason. So. I was always wondering why. And then the first thing I'm going to say is Remiel, I'm not saying Remiel fell. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that Remiel replaced somebody. Replaced somebody? How? Somebody fell, and perhaps somebody fell, and he stood in his place. I disagree with you there. 
I would say that someone was discredited. Someone has a shadow cast upon them. Because like I said, this lieutenant colonel, whoever he is, it would cast a shadow on his rank and order. Because they would, by default, be short. Short by a certain number. Mm -hmm. Short by an entire platoon, let's say. But that, like I said, that doesn't mean at all that that archangel fell. Or we would catch a hint and shadow of that in the Bible God's Holy Word, which we don't. Yeah. We don't. Now, that being the case, uh, you and I was talking about one of the angels, but that was not the one. The one you yeah. have to talk about mm -hmm. was which one? There was one Serial mentioned before. And while I was looking at this Remiel, I started kind of leaning towards this other one that I didn't want to go for. I don't want to say Serial was uh, fallen because it says he is a holy angel. It says, well, yes, it says outright he's a holy angel. So first, this is the verse, um, Enoch uh, chapter 20, verse 6. It says, mm -hmm. Serial, one of the holy angels over the spirits who sin by the spirit. Stop the now, bus. You want to explain that to me? He is... Um, no, explain the phrase, son. I want to know what spirits that sin in the spirit is. What is that exactly? That is the one of the most confusing things I've ever Not seen. Not to me. It says we we see in the um in a lot in the Bible in the spirit to do something in the spirit, but uh -huh. this this text says by the spirit to uh -huh. sin by the spirit. And it says it says oh he is over the spirits. Right. That sin by the spirit. And that wording is so strange to me. Well, it's not to me, being familiar with all kinds of ancient text. It's not at all to me. So, let's get to the real riddle, okay? What spirits could be possibly sinning in the spirit? Well, so, l let me ask you this. Let's just, let's just come out of the gates with this. Let's go back to the Bible, and it talks about Abraham, and he's had a, having a chit-chat with the rich man, right? Yes. Can the rich man sin? When he's in Hades? That, that's a good question. Uh, wrong answer. He can't even get out of Hades to sin. Yes. Yet this text is very clear. There are spirits who can sin while in the spirit. Now... You have to cross the topic here. You're obviously dealing with what the English calls wicked and or unclean spirits. You've got no way around it. Yes. So, Aaron, that being the case, it is obviously inferred here that the angel you just named is exactly the one whose platoon of soldiers fell. And by default, this archangel is responsible for them. Yeah. That is the only thing that makes deductive, logical 
reasonable sense. He just came out and told you. Yes, but then we come back to why is Remiel omitted if Serial's host was the one at fault? Well, you're going to run headlong into angel worship. Yeah. The highest form of magic is to be able to bind all seven angels. That's a very good point. What does that name mean? Tell me. Will you riddle me? What does... Well, it's shortened, but what you call Ramiel. What's that mean? It means compassion of God. And riddle me, Aaron. Why would you want that particular angelic entity bound for your purposes? This is what it says. Remiel, one of the holy angels who is appointed by God over those who rise. Bingo! Bingo, Aaron! Now we know, don't we? Yes, and what is very particular about this one verse out of all the other archangels named here is that it met, it says, appointed by God. None of right. the archangels are said that. It just right. says, Remiel is one of the holy angels who is appointed by God over those who rise. Okay. And we know that all the other archangels should have should have been appointed by God, right? Well, let's go back to the Bible again. In the particular verses talking about Abraham talking to the rich young ruler, tell me, was Abraham across from him? Was he under him? Was he above him? Where was he? He was above. So, let me get this right. The Book of Enoch just came out and said that if you could bind this angel to your purposes, uh, you could get a get-out-of-jail-free card. Yes, and what what the Book of Enoch <laughs> also says is that it, it when it talks about demons having come from the spirits of the Nephilim, it says they did not rise. They were not allowed to rise. And who obviously did not raise them. This would be... Duh. Duh. So if you got control of him and could bind him to your will, you would control all of the wicked, or, like I said, some translations say unclean, spirits. You would have command control of legions. You know who Legion is, right? Yes. He was that one demon who um, ruled over uh, a legion of demons that possessed a man. This is well known. This is the one that, if you mention any demonic possession to any preacher, the first one they're probably going to think of is this possession of a man by Legion whom Jesus cast out. And tell me, what, what does some of the supernatural things that it says this man could do because these entities had possessed him. He was able to break any chain. Okay, you take note. If he had been in command of the demons, if this had been the other way around, we would have been talking about someone like Samson. Correct? Yes. And we're not told everything that 
Samson was probably capable of. But now you come to a reckoning in your mind. Men should not be given dominion over these spirits because, well, they could literally rule the world, correct? Yeah. So what's giving you all kinds of confusion is naturally logical to me. It's just your mind was rejecting it. Now, why your mind was rejecting it, I don't know. Perhaps it's because of your age. I don't know. Perhaps, no. perhaps you're not familiar enough with the Bible and know how God does things. Because you have to know and understand this, Aaron. I didn't touch the book of Enoch until I was 21. Most people couldn't drink. No, I wasn't allowed to touch anything except the Hebrew and the Greek Bible, God's Holy Word. I wasn't allowed to look at anything else. So by the time I got there and read Enoch, it made sense to me because I already knew the historical context that the rabbis, that the rabbis would always take. When it comes to mentioning angels or angelic entities, they're very reserved in actually telling you what their names are, unless God himself has made it public. They will readily tell you Michael and Gabriel. They'll readily tell you those. Yes, because that's what God directly mentioned. With I've, I've actually found the other archangels' names used in mystical manners in the scriptures, but not as directly as Gabriel and Michael. Right, they're they're hidden. They're yes. they're embedded in the text. Yes, we've now, even we've even pointed out that Abaddon isn't really that angel's name. Because it gives the Bible gives us a name for this angel in two forms. Apollyon in Greek and Abaddon in Hebrew. Which one is his name? And you don't have to like it. And that's why God did it. Yeah. So, you know, let, let's talk about this. What is the very disturbing thing, the way that Daniel chapter 11 starts out? What, what grabs you in the first verse that is just, it, it, it's, it's, it's just, it disturbs you? Now, most people don't even know, have any reckoning in their mind what I'm talking about. Well, when you start reading Daniel chapter 11, it starts talking about um, Alexander the Great and the and Persia and all of that. And but before before speaking prophecy, it mentions this peculiar verse wherein it says, "Let me open it up here." In the first year of Darius the Mede. I arose to be an encouragement and protection for him. Yes, the KJV says, I, even I, stood to confirm and to strengthen him. So, yes. Okay, you have to take... Who is talking here? From the earlier chapters, we know, in context, this is Gabriel talking to him. Who's and, talking to Daniel at the moment. And tell me, what do you think would have, what would have happened if Darius had been in control of Gabriel? That can't be done. Yes. So, when the book of Enoch states that there are seven holy, it's telling you the truth. But you also should know why they would have admitted that very one. They wouldn't want people to, well, bad people, to try to start binding 
the seven archangels, which is suicidal, by the way. That's beside the point. Well, it may it may be to the root that um, Remil could make a spirit rise that people would try to conjure him. That's right, and if they were able to do this, they would be able to choose themselves whether they were going to Hades or Paradise. Oh no, there's only one judge. Yes, and that's why we know that when Christ comes, that when the Lord comes, then the dead will be risen, well, be arisen. And this is not by Remiel. Because Remiel is set aside at this moment. So, with all this in mind, what's the problem? Well, now we understand why he was admitted. Now we come back to Serial, and I have, and as we just mentioned, there may be there may be some sort of shadow on his name. So I went to studying the origin. Now the first thing. When I look up the name Serial, I'm brought to a Wikipedia page, and it shows me the Hebrew name of, Hebrew form of his name. It says, Sariel. So, it takes that word Sar, or Shar, from the Greek, from Hebrew, which means prince. But, I'm beginning to wonder if that's really the root, because uh, if you transliterate that, that the word Sar into Greek, it would just be an S. But in Hebrew, that's a T-S or T-Z sound, which we don't have in our English and what they didn't have in Greek. So, why do I think this is? Well, I was looking for angel names in the Bible. And... You might be you might be surprised at this because there are more angels named well implied in the scriptures and they're not very well translated because they are they are mystically mentioned like the bible uses it in a mystical form not directly saying the the angel but referring to him um for instance I found it. I think I found the name Sariel in some form in Isaiah chapter forty-three, verse ten, and it says. No, I'm sorry. I think this is forty-four, verse ten. Let me check for you. I'm sorry. But it mentions, "Who hath formed a god or molten, a graven image, that is profitable for nothing." Now, this, the first thing you need to point out is that a word, Sariel, is mentioned here. It says, who hath formed, formed, Yatsar, a god, El. It's Yatsariel. And as we know with Remiel, that Yod was just taken off, could have just been taken off by, um, by, uh, because... Sometimes it is removed in Hebrew. So, and Yitzar means formed, like the word formed Eve from Adam's rib. And it's different from being created. It is something that is molded. Mm-hmm. That's and this, correct. That's what's being pointed out here in Isaiah. It says, um, 
who have formed a god or a graven image. And this is why I was beginning to wonder if he had fallen. Because it says, this is very negative connotation. And it is also implied in the same verse, the name Belial. Mm-hmm. Who, right. is, who is um, well-known in the scriptures as um, some sort of entity over evil. And, uh, well, wait a minute. The idols that they were making and worshipping, was there entities attached to those idols? Well, so let me point this out to you. It says, who hath formed uh-huh. a god, Yitzhariel, or a graven image that is profitable for nothing? That word profitable for nothing as bi- is balit yal, uh-huh. which goes right down to the root word of belial, which means... Worthless. Worthless. That's right. Let me ask you the question again. These idols that men made, was there any entities behind them? Um, well, there's, it's either directly or indirectly. Some of them may have been possessed, and then some of them may have been just formed in their image. And so these images would have been the images of these spirit entities that were behind them, correct? Yes. Which, again, 100% of the time, would have cast a shadow on this particular angel's name, correct? Correct. Which is, if you were going to embed in the text without slandering this angelic entity, you would do exactly what you just said God did. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't see where the problem is. Well, well, if we read this, this might make a little sense to what you just said. If he rules, if he rules over the spirits who sin in the spirit, may makes sense to that saying in the scripture, "Sons of Belial." Right. Exactly. As I stated, you're talking about logical, deductive reasoning. Now. You you realize why God would want to embed that in this text. You just stated it with your own mouth. This was a way for God to translate the information to us without slandering or casting a shadow on this particular angelic entity. So are we say, so in your interpretation of this verse, is it saying that Sariel is Belial? Is that is it saying that he's the same? Because we know that in um, in Corinthians, Second Corinthians, chapter six, verse fifteen, am I correct? Mm-hmm. You're correct. It's it, it says um, it contrasts Christ from Belial. That's right, but that's not his name. I said the name is embedded so you would know. Who was the archangel over this particular angel? And angels, by the way. It's plural. Mm-hmm. It's plural. They become worthless. So whatever their job was, let's go back to the Calvary. Okay? Let's go back to the Calvary. Once they went AWOL, uh, they didn't get to take their horses. They were no longer 
riding horses that was supplied by the army. They mm-hmm. went AWOL. So for the purpose that they were made and designed, they're worthless. You would naturally call them by that particular term, worthless, and of course the one who presided over them would have to have a similar designation. So just be easy about it and call him what you just called him. However, the angel's name, don't come out and say it, embedded in the text so people will know. So this, don't you realize that everything I just said up to this point, you just read in one verse. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also a verse in Psalms chapter 104, verse 26. It says, mm-hmm. there go the ships. There is the Levi- that Leviathan whom thou hast made, Yetzar, to play therein. And this is this is something throughout the scriptures, is especially in Job. Job keeps comparing himself to the fallen angels. If you read the text closely in the original mm-hmm. languages, yes, he he. But God came out and said, "I made the Leviathan." Mm-hmm. And this um so this is but this goes back to pointing Sariel to the Leviathan of the form. So the verse you just read is is that in a bad connotation? No. I mean it, And what prophetically is the sea? That, I mean the, the tongues, the languages and peoples and tongues. That's right. The Bible comes right out and tells you this. And this particular Leviathan Okay. This particular Leviathan, he is the only one whose cavalrymen went down to frolic in the sea, Aaron. Mm-hmm. Once again, he just come out and embedded it in the text without coming out and saying it, thereby casting a shadow upon his name or his rank. Yes. But he's coming right out of the gates telling you that, well, this event did happen. Mm-hmm. One of these, you know, a, a, a troop of angels did come down and frolic where they did not belong amongst the sea of many tribes, nations, and tongues. So he just came out and told you. Mm-hmm. Well, um... Uh, as to his fallen state, that he is not fallen, um, well, I should point out that I think that name Sariel may also point to another word, Sirah, okay. which means mm, hornet. Which means hornet. Now, now you're, now you're, okay. What I'm getting at is that some words in Hebrew people are mystical. God God uses it in different forms all over the place to imply things. Right. And maybe this word hornet may have just been a form of his name. Right. Just just altered in a way. That's what right. is and um I think that perhaps this was the hornet that God sent against the Canaanites to drive them out. That's exactly what he would have done. He would have taken these 
wicked and or unclean spirits, use them to do... <laughs> Aaron, let's go back to Legion. What would Legion do? It would make the man go do what? He, he could break... He would hurt himself. And no, Aaron. Where would he go? Into the wilderness. And how... But he was driven. Mm-hmm. He was driven there, Aaron. You just said, what happened to the Canaanites? They got what out of the land? They got driven out. Exactamundo, Aaron. So, you already knew it. I mean, you obviously know a great deal about this legion, correct? Yes, I do. And you knew right off the top of your head that he had, he had, well, it had been driving this man instead of the other way around. We've already talked about that. The man wasn't driving Legion. Legion was driving the man. Mm-hmm. Correct? Yes. This isn't just... This has always thrown people off. Just because an angel rules over the sinful creatures does not mean... He is sinful himself. There are negative things in this world that that God has sent his angels to rule over. Like the common instance with Satan. At this moment, Satan has not sinned. But he he's our accuser. That does not mean that he has fallen. Not yet. Now, make no mistakes yeah. about it. That day comes. Revelation chapter 12. Uh, mm -hmm. That day comes when uh, he does a deed, and then he tries to go back up Jacob's ladder. And, of course, war ensues, and he's cast down, game over. But if what you're saying is true, I'm going to have to have certain umbrage with you. Because if what you're saying is true and Satan sinned, he would be cast into the lake of fire. However, he's not, Aaron. That's not what happens. So if yeah. you say that Satan sinned, I'm going to outright call you a liar. Yes. Because he, it is the beast and the false prophet that is thrown into the lake of fire, not Satan. Well, he, he is cast into the abyss to be bound there for a thousand years. And who goes with him? I'm assuming his angels. You assume. But it does say that just him. So, uh, if he had sinned in this whole diatribe, uh, he would not be put into the abyss. He would have went straight headlong into the lake of fire, correct? Yes. This is actually what... This is actually what the book <laughs> of Revelation is pretty clear on. Well, this is what happened. When Christ comes back... He will be cast into the abyss, and the beast and his and his false prophet will be cast into the lake of fire. Hell. After the thousand-year reign of Christ on earth, then Satan will be released, and he will cause sin on earth again. Yeah. And once Christ defeats this, he will be cast into the lake of fire. Right. This is when Satan directly sins. Right, but, he has to. But we, but we already know in... Um, Revelation chapter 13, it says Satan, the dragon, uh -huh. will cast his authority over to the beast. But when the beast has already... So that the beast can cause his sin on the earth. 
coming right out and telling you that the beast from the abyss is Satan's scapegoat. Yeah. Any, any other thing you can call that? Do you have any other term in any historical text you can apply to that except the term scapegoat? No. No matter what language you go to, that's the word you have to use. Satan hands the beast from the abyss all of his authority. He puts his hands behind his back. So when Christ gets back, he's, of course, twiddling his thumbs. And he goes, wait a minute, I didn't do anything wrong. Therefore, Christ binds him and puts him in the abyss under lock and key. So, thereby proving anyone to be a liar that has stated that Satan has sinned at this point. That's a lie. Now, first, we should all consider if Azazel and his angels were cast into the abyss for their sin, how come right. Satan's cast into the abyss at this moment? Okay, let's go back to the book of Enoch. It says that he will be cast there until what? It says... And why does it forget the amount of number it uses? It says that he is put there until the time of that is complete, right? Yes. Well, guess what? You don't just get randomly put into incarceration. Now, in this case, this particular text tells us 10,000 years, correct? Mm -hmm. Well, Christ does it differently. Christ says, I'm going to put you and incarcerate you for a thousand years. Mm -hmm. But Ripley's, believe it or not, uh, Christ does have the authority to make the duration of the sentence whatever he wants. You do realize yes. that, right? And you do realize that after the thousand years, he's released, just like Christ said to do. Does he have to sin at this point? No. But what what's we have to consider what's really going on, because basically what's being happened to Satan at this moment perhaps is not because of his sin, but his slander, and for his slander, like he did with Adam and Eve, well more specifically Eve, he he was cursed. Am I wrong? And so we know we know that. From Genesis chapter three, he was cursed. But just because, uh, just because of this slander, he could not be cast into the lake of fire. But he needed to be put into a holding place. Uh, so that only place would be the abyss. Right. So, and the problem with that is what? <laughs> Nothing. What we're getting at here, people, is that. Serial, just because he is over evil spirits, does not mean that he is evil himself. In fact, the Bible does say that, um, quote-unquote, evil angels were sent to uh, destroy the, uh, the firstborn. That word evil could, not, could also mean um, angels of destruction. Directly, that would not mean that they're evil, but they're angels over the evil, and they were sent by God to destroy. Yeah. So, with that concluded, there we highly doubt that an archangel fell.
One of these seven did not fall. I'm saying that empirically. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that empirically, and now that this conversation is over, I didn't need the Book of Enoch to tell you that. Yes. As you, uh, as you proved with the verses that you provided, it was embedded there in the text. I didn't need Enoch to prove that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went off the simple Greek uh, etymology and morphology of when God said that these angels stand before him. That never inferred in that text that some had been swapped out. Never implied that. God never said that. So there's no reason for me to uh, pick up the book of Enoch and deduct something differently. Now, the book of Enoch gave us a lot more details. But as far as I'm concerned, it did not contradict what I deducted from the scripture itself. I mean, as a matter of fact... Enoch perfectly gave descriptions for these angels to tell me exactly why these things had happened. So like I said, at at the very least, it provided more details to what I already knew from the Bible. Is that how you see it, or is it something different? That is how I see it. And if, if this is how... When I translate this book of Enoch, I want this is not what I want you people to do. I want you to pick up your Bible first. And I am translating this book of Enoch only because of its consistency with the Holy Canon. And because Jude, the epistle of Jude, mentions it. But whenever you pick up your Bible and you read it, and you see an inconsistency in the book of Enoch or any other non-canonical text, which one is authoritative? That is the holy canon which God has given us. Enoch, throughout the centuries, has always been set apart, except by the Ethiopic church. What I mean to... I'm not degrading Enoch, but what I'm saying is, it's technically not part of our holy canon. It needs to be held second Amen. When you see some inconsistency in any non-canonical text, you need to drop that book. Right. Exactly. But what we've discussed here so far, like I said, all it did was manage to provide additional details that I really didn't need anyway. Yeah. This is why I'm translating the Book of Enoch. It's because it is so consistent with the Holy Canon. It is it is crazy. And I just did that with translating the words and keying them to Strong's. And I found them all over the scripture in, um, in, in these mystical ways as the book of Enoch does. But I do that, I test this book of Enoch every day that I translate this by the holy canon. And it has remained true. So, as he just mentioned, that I didn't, he didn't need the book of Enoch to tell him that, that none of these archangels had fallen. But, the book of Enoch is very 
very consistent with the text, the holy text, and may have in, may have indeed be, been written by the Enoch himself, but that is held separate from our canon for some reason, and it is not clear to me exactly why, because even the apostles considered the um, quoted this text. And why do you think that? Well, that's that's a good point. So right now, when I'm I'm translating my Book of Enoch from the Greek, and I'm keying it to Strong's, um, I'm also thinking about looking at another text of the Ascension and Martyrdom and Ascension of Isaiah, which is also in Greek, because it uh, it has also been implied in the New Testament and perhaps the Old Testament as well, and that's the only one reason why I consider them. Well, I consider them for no other reason. Well, you have to test yourself to be approved, correct? Mm-hmm. This is the perfect testing ground. Because I'll know, Aaron, if you start contradicting the Bible, God's holy word, I'm going to know. Yes. This is why um, it should be considered apocrypha. The word apocrypha, apocrypha means hidden. It is unclear. It is unco- unclear about its divine nature. Which but he just mentioned the testing ground. What is our testing ground for any text? Well, that's the problem, isn't it? It's sure not movies. Mm-hmm. That testing ground is our holy canon. That's right. We tested in that. Um, I'm unsure why Enoch is held separate, but I am testing it by well, what we do have. That's that, that right there. You just struck the nail on the head. Do you have all of it? We do not. Okay, what's missing? Um, there's a whole big chunk, especially the um, the parables of Enoch. And I'm starting to wonder about its to, uh, about its um, authenticity a little bit more than the rest of the Book of Enoch itself, because it's so excluded from the rest in Greek. So is it at the end? Is it the beginning? In the middle. And it's just gone. And it's just gone. In both the. Well, there you have your answer. Yeah. If it's not complete, it's to be rejected. That doesn't say that any of it's lying. Yeah. It's For just, some reason, God wanted it to be hidden from us. And, praise our, his, and, and you know what? Praise his name for that. Yes. Because, you know, you said they're in parables, right? Mm-hmm. The entire world knows that I don't say parable. I say riddle. Because that's what it is. It's riddle. Mm-hmm. That's the Greek word. Riddle. Okay? That prophecy could only be answered by Christ the King... Via the Psalm of Asaph, correct? Yes. So, if somebody else was riddling, not to saying that what they were saying was untrue. That's not what mm-hmm. I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is the book of Psalms loudly proclaims that Christ is going to be the riddler. Mm-hmm. So, Aaron, if you think about it by default, 
that's probably why he took them. So that people would not come along and say that the book of Enoch was the answer to God's riddles and not Christ. But because he took them, guess what? Mm-hmm. There's no there's no contest now, is there? Yes. Because and, what you're really talking about, if anybody else would have answered Asaph's prophecy, you would have immediately created two denominations, let's say. You would have automatically done that. Automatically. Yes. Well, if Jude... I mean, if Jude quotes it in... uh, He must have viewed it with some authority. So, I think it, it must have some providence in it. But for some reason, God hid it from us. Look, I'll say it. I'll quote it. Okay? The book of Asaph, Psalm 78, verse verse number 2. I will open my mouth with parables. I will utter dark sayings of old. If there would have been two separate sets of parables, it would have created division. And you know what? Jude probably knew that. Because he had probably already knew all about Enoch's riddles, but Christ came and taught in riddles to answer this prophecy. So like I said, you would have immediately created a massive division. Massive. This division would have been bigger than the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Mm -hmm. So God took those parables, but doesn't make the rest of it a lie. It's just incomplete. Yes. And another thing we should consider, if the Book of Enoch was actually written by Enoch, this would be, indeed, the oldest book known to man. Now stop. What does Asaph continue to say? Verse 3. Such as we have heard and known, which our fathers have related to us, they were not hid from our children. One generation told another the praises of the Lord his acts of power, and the wonders he hath done. Don't you realize if he hadn't taken that section and removed those parables, people would have started saying this about Enoch because what just came out of your mouth. Now, there is no no debate. Enoch was before Jesus, right? Yes. Before the flood, in fact. So why don't you read these verses and understand now Christ alone would have to answer not just verse number 2, but verse number 3 and 4. Other people would have started saying this was Enoch. But now they can't, because God took his riddles. Look, Mm -hmm. go to Psalm 78 right now and just read the first six verses. No, you know what? Read the first eight. Read the first stanza. Okay. Masculine of Asaph. Give ear, O my people. My law inclined the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not chide them for our children, shooing to the generation to come, the praises of the Lord and his strength 
and his wonderful works works with which he has done for he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers that they may make them known to our children that the generation to come might know that may know them even the children which should be born who should arise and declare them to their children that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God but keep his commandments and might not be as their fathers a stubborn and rebellious generation a generation that is set not their heart aright whose spirit was not steadfast with God don't you realize that verse verse number 7 in its usage of the word God also is Jesus Mm-hmm. Look, I'm going to prove this to you. I- I'm serious. Tell me, what do the Jewish mystics say that, um, let's say Elijah. What's Elijah's name now and where's he at? They say that he's he is uh, Sandalphon and he's an angel in heaven. And who do they say Enoch is now? Uh, Metatron. And who's the greatest angel? Uh, The angel of the Lord. Aaron, if those riddles would have been in Enoch, you better wake up. They already did it. And if God hadn't taken those riddles, those... The verses you just read, son, he put a stop to it. And now you know why. And now you know that I've known why since before you were born. If you would have included those parables in Enoch and he would have allowed it to endure, they would have said exactly what they already say. Because at that point, they would have taken Enoch and elevated him. There's only one way to elevate him higher than what they call metronon. That's to make him Christ. Just like verse 6 says in Psalm 78. You can take it to the bank. Because we're talking about history. They've already elevated him to be the greatest angel. Mm -hmm. If the riddles would have been kept intact, they would have went on to say that verse 7 was not only speaking about God, but also speaking about Enoch. So, Aaron, don't you see that God had to take them? Or there would have been massive division. There would have been massive division. Mm-hmm. And it may also be another reason might be chapter I mean verse five in chapter seventy eight it says right. for he has, for he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. Enoch technically wasn't part of Jacob he wasn't from Israel because he became he came before Abraham so he wouldn't have been considered part of Israel. Well, I would I would say I, it may – technically, the only book in the Bible not written by a Jew would have been Job because okay. Job was an Edomite. Okay. You know, let's take us to the bank. You've already stated it, but I'm going to drag it into the light. Okay, so they say Enoch is an angel, right? Yes. And they say that, that – uh, uh, so – these two angels, Enoch and Elijah, which one's greater? You just said Enoch, right? Mm-hmm. Yet the Bible says that Elijah is supposed to be the forerunner. 
Yes. Which would have made him what? The forerunner of Metronon, not the Messiah. So I just proved to you empirically what would have happened if those parables had remained intact. Yes. Because even if even in the Ethiopic text, um, the translate the trans well known translator R. H. Charles pointed out several times, this is this is so corrupt. Mm-hmm. I can barely translate it. Right. Especially especially chapter sixty nine. It's it, it's so so confused. Right. And that's part of the parables. Chapter sixty nine is right. Yep. So, with that in mind, good stuff, Aaron. Yeah. It was great having this conversation. Yes, it was. We'll drag this into the light, shall we? Because this really is all just a Christian conspiracy theory, because it's not contained in the canon. What we've talked about here today is not the gospel truth. All we did here today was talk about, well, one angel in particular. He's in the book of Enoch, and yet he is embedded in the text. You can't get that in English. There's no way. But in looking at both, you realize why God has done these things. So this is regulated to the area of Christian conspiracy theory. Amen? Amen. So I'll put you to the test right now. Is Enoch the gospel truth? Um, I, I don't. I don't know if I should say. No, because it is not complete. God's word is complete, and what we have in our hands right now, regardless of whether it's true or false, is irrelevant. It's incomplete. That immediately disqualifies it. But we were able to use it to even gain an understanding as to why the Bible uses that particular word, uh, as to why Legion was out where it was at. It says it was driven. Take note, Aaron, that that has a different prefix than the original word. It has a prefix ellipson. But it is the word to drive. It is G1643. But now we have a greater understanding of why that is. Because if all these things were known, a man would be able to control these entities. And that cannot be allowed. So, what's the next uh, episode going to be about? Well, that's food for thought. Well, we could certainly uh, talk about the mechanical, well, the machinations of the sword in the East... We could talk about uh, the false prophet's genetics. Uh, we could talk about all kinds of stuff. But uh, we'll get prepped for that. And uh, we will certainly uh, make this a series. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining Christian Conspiracy Theory with Matthew and Aaron Miller. Until next time, God bless. Godspeed. God bless. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.